Chronicles of the Awakened Chapter 8 Creation and Extinction Once my nightmares came to an end, I experienced dreams for a time that to me were far worse. I would be in the field near my orphanage, sitting alone, watching the other children play. A silver car would pull up along the fence. Its driver's side window would roll down and an older gentleman would look across the field until his eyes settled upon me. The car would come to a stop and the man and a middle-aged woman would step out and point towards me. I would stand and stare trying to make out who the people were and why they were looking at me. Images would flash before my eyes and a warm feeling would come over me. They would walk towards the half-broken fence and smile, making a beeline directly for me. Slowly my memories would return as they drew closer. Their faces would, would change from strange to familiar. The warm feeling inside me was love, and more specifically, the love only a parent could give. Time would come to an halt. The noises of the children would cease. I would start running towards them, smiling, tears falling from my eyes. They would kneel, opening their arms to me. I would cry out to them. My father would lift me into the ear and pull me to him, hugging me tightly. My mother would smother me with kisses, telling me she would never leave me again. My world would be complete. Nothing else would matter. Then, everything would go dark. My world would grow cold. Their love and the warmth I had felt would fade from me, leaving me alone again. I would awaken, hollowed, as if the possibility of happiness was forever ripped from me. Standing on the edge of a forest of what I had almost accepted as heaven, I felt as if I had been hollowed once again. A woman who looked just like Clara stood before me, telling me that everything I had experienced was a lie. I was being asked to accept that the woman who greeted me and brought me to the afterlife, the woman who showed me the pain and the pleasure of my past, the woman who I had just made love to was a facsimile, a fraud, a fake. The truth was a woman who looked more like a refugee than the one that I remembered, the person I loved. How can I accept this? How can you expect me to accept this? I asked her. Everything I've seen and felt. How do I know you're not another memory or mental projection? That is exactly what I am, David, Clara said. I'm not here with you. I am just a projection. You have to free yourself before you can find me. And only then can we all escape. I slowly reached my hands out towards her. The feeling of static electricity in the air was stronger the closer my hand got to her. She just stood there, almost as if she was unaware of my movements toward her. My hand reached her shoulder. It was only then that I saw her turn her head ever so slightly. I could feel the energy build up around my hand. It passed right through Clara as if she was a holographic projection, only it was not like my hand was passing through air but more like a light waterfall. I could feel her presence, her energy. 
but there was nothing physical I could touch. We are both prisoners here, David, Clara said. While my prison is apparent, yours is hidden within a fantasy. There are others here, and they sacrifice everything to allow me to communicate with you. You need to confront her, David. Force her to reveal the truth. That is the only way to escape. Prisoners? Where? I asked. Why do all this to me? Am I even dead? Her mouth moved, but I could not hear the words. Clara's body began to fade from sight. Instinctively, I reached out to grab her, to keep her from leaving me. She was afraid. I could see the panic in her eyes as if she was afraid she would never be able to reach me again. I screamed out her name as she disappeared. My legs buckled. I fell to my knees crying. It felt as if I had just watched her die. She was gone. And I was left with nothing. My grief turned to anger. I wanted to know why. Why I was being put through this hell. Why would someone go through the trouble to do this to me? I found myself pounding my fist against the ground. Even thoughts turned to Herschel and my time trapped within the military's virtual reality. As my hands began to ache from smashing them into the ground, I no longer believed in it. I didn't believe in any feeling I had. I hated the way I felt inside. It was the same way I felt in the orphanage, as if nothing was real. I did not belong there, and I believed it was only a matter of time until I would be taken away. That time never came. I had to leave to find my own way out. Why was I willing to accept her story as truth? Deep inside, I knew something was wrong. I told myself it was only due to the trauma I had suffered in the past. When you live in a world of pain, pleasure is always foreign, unnatural. When Clara told me of her final days, of Richter, as much as it hurt to hear it, the feelings were more familiar than anything else. I stood up. The forest, the stream, the sky. All of it no longer felt real. I began walking away from the cabin in a straight line, hoping to find something, anything as evidence to what the second Clara had told me. I walked for what felt like hours until I saw a house in the distance. It surprised me. I expected to find a barrier or some other sort of dead end. My military training took over. I carefully made my approach to the home. The closer I got, the more I realized something was wrong. I came to a stop and stood up, staring straight ahead in disbelief. I had returned to the cabin. I knew I had planned my route correctly. It would be impossible to return to the cabin. There was more evidence that something was amiss. But I needed still more before I could disregard everything the first Clara had shown me. Then it came to me. I thought about what Clara said that we were not alone, but our area was created using both our minds and memories. She told me it was not just her doing, and as such, I could change our reality. When we were sad, the world changed to match, creating thunderstorms. I had a theory to test. I closed my eyes and thought about all the death I had seen. My mind focused on the destroyed cities, the burned bodies, the suffering of everyone who had not yet died. There was no hope for victory, regardless of what the government told us. 
Death was our only escape, and soon there would be no one left to mourn. Images flashed in my mind of everything I had seen. Even before the meteor fell, the senseless killing in the war, the hate. My life had been about pain and loss, the suffering that comes with surviving, avenging the ones who had died. I had been groomed for it since my birth when my parents abandoned me. It was all I knew. It was all I was. David, stop! Clara's voice pierced through me. Startled, I opened my eyes. I had fallen to my knees. My hands were shaking. I looked up at Clara, who looked back at me, generally frightened. Above her, the sky was blood red. There was what looked like cracks in the sky, as if we were living in a fractured snow globe. The ground was blackened with craters. It looked as if the impact areas from the meteor fragments that had hit the earth. The trees were bare of leaves, and many of them were burned and hollowed out. Our home was in ruins and looked as if it had been destroyed centuries ago. The air was thick and smelled of death. A chilled wind blew across the barren field, sprawling dust and ash into the air. I... I... I stuttered, unable to complete a sentence. Clara closed her eyes and placed her hands together as if praying. An aura of white light surrounded her body. I slowly rose to my feet and watched, mesmerized by the light as it grew in intensity. Clara opened her eyes. They were glowing the same brilliant white light that I had seen before. A blast wave of energy fired out from her body, spanning across the entire area. The light energy repaired everything it touched, turning the devastated world I had created back into the heaven it was before. But the amazement had worn off. I was no longer happy to see that world. Seeing it recreated before my eyes made it feel even more artificial. What happened, David? Clara asked. I could feel pain within you. Anger. So much anger. I'm, I'm sorry, Clara, I replied. Seeing this world, it's so peaceful. But do we deserve it? Clara walked over, putting her arms around me. Her warmth was still there, but it was different. It was as if she had betrayed me, and though I had claimed to forgive her, something was forever lost. She wanted to comfort me, but her touch made me feel uneasy. Everything about the Clara who stood in front of me was the same as before, but to me, it was completely different. I don't understand, Clara said. Everyone deserves peace. Yes. But everyone does not have peace, do they? I retorted. You and I are here now, and you say that all who die can share in this peace. But what about those who are still suffering? What about those who still are hunted and killed back home? Do they not deserve peace? I asked you before, who brought this life energy to Earth? Was it God? Why were we allowed to suffer in life? Can there not be peace for everyone right now? Clara turned away from me, but held onto my hand. I was questioning her like she was a suspect. I wanted to know everything about our death and our lives after. Every second she did not answer pushed me further away from her. I wanted to pull my hand away, but I knew it would raise suspicion. It was only a few moments before she turned back to look at me, but it felt like forever. What she would tell me next would either push me over the edge or bring me back to her.
It's not that simple, Clara began. The Trinity had some aspects of the creation and God correct, but still much of it was wrong. Just because one is involved in the creating of life does not mean that they lord over it. Sometimes life has to play out uninterrupted. To us, our civilization was advanced, but in reality, we were nothing more than animals in the wild and were to be observed as such and not interfered with. Animals, I question. So is that all we are to that great God of yours? Clara lowered her head and closed her eyes. A shot of anger coursed through me. Watching it mimic the real Clara's mannerisms only made me want to push further. I took a breath and calmed myself. I knew the only way I would learn the truth would be to ask and then to listen. There was still a chance that Clara, the Clara that stood before me, was real. Either way, there were questions that had to be answered. No, David, it's not like that at all, Clara said, clearly frustrated. Please, let me show you so you can understand. Clara reached out with her hands toward my head. I reared back, which surprised her. She could tell something was wrong, and it was not just my questions. I had to think of something to keep her from reading my thoughts. If she was not my Clara, then I could not let her know what I was told. I can only assume that my mind could not be read unless she touched me. Otherwise, I would have been discovered earlier. You said this place was created using our minds, I began. Could you show me by changing this area to allow me to see what you want me to see? Clara looked puzzled for a moment, which worried me. But as she lowered her hands and nodded, I believed I had fooled her. I know, sharing each other's thoughts and feelings can be a strange experience, even for us, Clara said. I can show you, using our world, but you will need to hold my hand. As reality changes and shifts, it can become disorienting. Clara reached out to me and for a moment I did not want to take her hand. Unlike a dream where you can wake up, I could have remained in the world that I knew. In time, I believed I could forget about the second Clara and disregard her warning. Part of me did not want to leave the only peace I had known for years. A prison of paradise or the cold, harsh reality of freedom. Those were my only choices. There was no real choice. I could never live with the lingering doubt, the feeling that everything around me, with me, was a lie. I may have escaped pain in my life, but I never ran from it. And the fact that others may be suffering was more than enough of a reason to stay. I reached out and took Clara's hand. She stood by my side and started staring ahead. Everything around me began to shimmer like sunlight reflecting on polished metal. The light, while bright, was not blinding. I could see everything around me begin to turn to pure golden energy. I could make out massive buildings taking shape in the background, made from the shimmering energy. Slowly the light faded and Clara and I stood in a small park in the middle of a city. The world looked as clear as real as the valley in the cabin war. The small park sat in between tall office buildings and busy streets. People were going about their day walking back and forth as if we were not there. I could hear the sounds and smells of the city. Everything felt familiar. 
It reminded me of downtown New Chicago, and yet slightly different. I know this place seems familiar, David, but this is not our planet, Clara began. Long ago, a being known only as creation poured his life energy into a planet and created life. In time, these beings evolved and created civilizations just like ours. Clara raised her hand high to the sky, and in a flash of light, the city was reduced to ruins. The shimmering glass buildings were battered and blackened, the ground scorched and cratered, skeletal remains littered the ground. The sky was thick with smoke and ash. The scene awakened memories of our own world, devastated by the war. Every being on this world soon evolved to discover they could awaken the life energy contained within each of them, Clara continued. For a time, they were able to keep the peace, but as more and more of them developed godlike abilities, the government was forced to take action, and so suppression was created. The government and the military created a serum and distributed it to every person on the planet through its water supply. The few who were not affected were quickly hunted down by the government's own awakened soldiers. Clara pointed west towards a group of people being led in chains down a road. They looked like the people in my, my unit would come across during the war in devastated countries. Dirty and torn rags for clothing, malnourished, it was just like I had seen many times before. Men in heavy armor and weaponry walked around them, some taking pleasure in striking them, laughing. The brutality was sickening. The government tried to claim the loss of abilities were due to a terrorist attack, Clara continued. Soon it was discovered that it was the government itself who had poisoned their own people, and at that point the people rebelled. Martial law was instituted, and beyond that, the government took complete control. Only a select few lived a good life. Everyone else had to fend for themselves or become servants and slaves. Anyone disobeying them, even the most minor infraction of law, could be imprisoned or killed. One of the soldiers struck a small boy in the back of his head, knocking him to the floor. The others laughed as the boy struggled to get up. As the boy returned to his feet, his eyes began to glow a, gre a deep crimson red color. The soldiers panicked and opened fire on the boy, but the bullets would come to a halt just in front of him, hovering in the air. With a wave of his hand, the bullets flew back towards the soldiers, killing each one of them. The boy smiled as he looked down at his hands in amazement. What the government did not know, what no one, no one knew, was that God's power could not be suppressed Clara continued. In time, abilities returned to the people, and those who had been persecuted by the governments came seeking revenge. Another bright light lit up the sky. A blast wave blew through the city, reducing the ruins to dust. I stood there with Clara as the dust settled, leaving the planet once again devoid of life. The sky cleared, and I could see into space. Two points of light one red and one white collided with each other. The military was overwhelmed and released their final solution, Clara continued. Missiles with a life energy core were fired at major cities. Their hopes was that a smaller population would be easier to control. However, in the end, they brought about the death of their species. 
The bombs drained the life energy from the planet itself, and slowly, all life on this world perished. Clara and I flew up from the planet, traveling towards the points of light. As we drew closer, I could see waves of energy crashing off of the celestial bodies. They were fighting each other. Creation had failed, and his brother, who we all came to call Extinction, attacked him, Clara continued. Extinction believed there was a waste to create life, and that his brother was a fool to give up his life energy. He attacked his brother, wanting to take his remaining life energy from him. Clara turned her head to look back at the dead planet. As I turned and looked at it, it exploded. The blast shattered the planet into pieces. From the remains, a humanoid-shaped being glowed brightly with a golden energy and rocketed across space towards the twin spears of life. When the being reached the white spear of light, it merged with it, intensifying its glow. Unknown to either of the brothers, a new life form was created when the life energy bombs were released, Clara continued. The life energy did drain from the planet, but in turn it created a being of pure life energy. With the planet destroyed, it sought out its creator and merged with creation. As it did, Extin Extinction took notice of the increased power his brother had. It somehow was more powerful than when creation had originally poured into it. Extinction knew with his brother's increased power that he would not be able to defeat him and called for a truce. The two spears of light separated. Clara and I followed the white spear as it traveled to another dead planet. I recognized it from what she had shown me before. It was Earth. The spear stretched out into a long stream of light and engulfed the planet. Extinction told his brother that he wanted to conduct an experiment, Clara continued. They would both pour their life energy into a planet and allow it to grow and evolve. Extinction believed his life energy could create a species that would flourish and become more powerful than anything creation could create. Creation did not care for Extinction's proposal except for the fact that he believed that he could create a species that would not destroy itself and wanted another chance to do so. Creation and Extinction agreed to commit the same amount of life energy to their worlds and created the afterlife realms as a safe haven while they waited for their worlds to grow. Extinction had a different plan. He knew both him and his brother would be too weak to do anything once they committed their life energy. So he made modifications within his own life energy so it would awaken within his created be beings. It would teach them about him and have them worship him as a god. And when they died, their life energy would be fed to him. Extinction did this hoping he could increase his power like what happened with his brother after his planet was destroyed. Creation did not want his creations to know of their life energy and create a suppression system of his own so that only upon death would their life energy inside them awaken and only then could it pass on to the afterlife, the realm he created. David, you have seen the results when we humans try to awaken the life energy within our bodies. This did not happen on Extinction's world. In an instant, we appeared over a planet surrounded by a deep crimson aura. 
As we flew into the atmosphere, a massive airship came into view. Thousands of warships in various stages of construction sat with many completely assembled. I immediately recognized the ships. They were, they were the same as the aliens who attacked our planet. We landed just in front of one of the completed ships as thousands of containment-suited troops marched onto the aircraft. On Extinction's world, after a set number of years, the life energy within every human being awakened, Clara continued. However, the awakening came with a price. Extinction's will took over control of all of his creations. While not in total control, he was able to imprint his orders into them. And there was only one command, destroy creation's world. As Extinction's creations prepared for war, they were able to shed their physical bodies. However, they were still dependent on their technology for travel and for flight. They created special suits that could contain their life energy. But once this was done, if the, shoot if the suit was damaged, their life energy would become unstable and dissipate. They were sent to attack our world and destroy all of creation's creations. But it was more than just that. The suits and their weapons could absorb the life energy of their victims, merging it with their own energy within the suit. In time, the being would die or be killed, and then the energy would travel back to extinction. In this manner, he would gain the power of not only his creations, but the life and energy of his victims. The sky brightened, turning golden. Clara's eyes shined white as the world returned to the valley and the blue sky was before. She released my hand and took a few steps for me, then turned around looking directly into my eyes. Creation never asked for us to give up his life energy to him, Clara said. However, a man named Gabriel discovered the truth of our afterlife and learned of creation's history. He was able to discover creation's location and went to see him. It was there that he learned the rest. He discovered that because our life energy was not released until our deaths, it is much more powerful than extinction's creations. Gabriel decided to give part of his life energy to creation. And once he saw how powerful it made him, he knew what he had to do. I could do nothing but stand there, desperately trying to absorb and understand everything Clara had told me. If I was to believe her story, then the attack on our world, her death and mine were all caused by extinction and his creations. There was one thing that bothered me about her story. The last thing I remembered when I was killed was the green light and then nothing. If their weapons would steal life energy of its victims, then how was it that I was standing with Clara? On the other hand, if the other Clara was correct and everything I was being told was a lie, then perhaps my life energy was taken and I was in extinction's afterlife. I had only one card to play. I want to see him, I told Clara. I want to see this creation. Clara looked at me as if she never expected me to ask that question. The other Clara told me the only way to be free would be to escape the world that I was trapped in. Clara would have two choices, show me this creation and prove her story true, or refuse my request. If she was to refuse or attempt to fool me, then I would know that she 
and everything she had told me was a lie. Next week, Chapter 9.